working seven days a week and 24 hours. Yep. Sajil Thakar, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become Your Own Superhero. Thank you. Looking forward to this conversation. I'm really grateful for this opportunity. No, you're so welcome. This is a long time in the making. Big shout out to Meredith Bell, who has an amazing podcast. Uh, oh my God, Grow Strong Leaders. That's what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, Grow yeah. Strong Leaders. You should check that out. Uh, it's a podcast uh, and video platform. I think she releases the videos. She interviews people, amazing people like you and lots of other, a lot of business related people with extraordinary stories. And I wanted to throw a curly one to you, say, Jill, to kickstart. Okay. What's the biggest challenge in your life right now that you're dealing with? Mm, good question. And somebody else just asked me this question earlier. So I'll give a shout out to my friend, Tom Quitler. I, I did a meditation with him this morning and he asked me that same question during that meditation so this is like the question of the day <laughs> now him and i him and i haven't spoken nor have you and i planned this out either no. so that's very interesting yes yes um so as as you know though i am recording my second tedx talk next saturday and so that that's my biggest challenge because i did the actual talk in april of last year and there was some technical difficulties and some human error negligence that occurred. And so they never really recorded my talk. And so now I have to go through this whole thing of like, it's April, it was a long time ago, right? So <clears throat> I'm memorizing the script again, which I hate memorizing and reliving that part of my story that I'm gonna be talking about in that talk. And so in some ways it's like re-traumatizing because I'm thinking about some pretty tough times in my life. And so that's why I'm doing a lot more meditation and reflecting and just making sure that I, stay connected to myself as I get geared up for this talk, this recording on Saturday. Okay. Good answer. So if you're new to the show and you've just dialed in youth and you, you're on the borderline, you're about to switch it off and you're wondering, why should I listen to this episode of the Becoming Your Own Bureau show? Here's what I, here's my opinion. Then I'm going to ask you also, Jewel. Okay. For any, if, if you have gone through major adversity in your life, if you've, if you're at a point where you are, wondering and blaming God or source for the troubles in your life, maybe just maybe stick around and hear some of Sajul's story. That's all I'm saying. What do you reckon? Wow. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, my story is definitely interesting and um, not as interesting as yours though, because when I started reading about your story, I got really excited about this conversation today. So let's do it. Let's dig in. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Well, let's talk about this TED Talk for a second, because this is the, the first one you did, uh, what, three years ago now? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you got this, this is this a follow-up TEDx talk that you're doing this week? So there, the, the first one I did um, really dealt with this concept of unconscious bias and how it impacts our lives, right? And so in that one, I really connect with one part of my identity, which is where, you know, I, I talk about sort of my background in what I went through as a child um, growing up and sort of the harassment, discrimination and bullying that really impacted my life. So that's that's focused on that part of my journey. And then, you know, as when I became an employment law attorney, there were things I learned about bias there. And then science has come a long way. So that's what that talk was really about is to explore that concept of unconscious bias and give people some tools so that they can recognize it and mitigate it from harming other people. The one that I'm recording or re-recording the video on Saturday is 
talks more about the topic of belonging. And it talks about a different part of my story, which was, you know, my parents were immigrants from India. And I was born and raised here in America. And so there was that cultural clash and kind of not feeling like you fit into either one and feeling like you didn't belong to either one. And talks more about that part of my story. And I talk about just feeling excluded, you know, when I was growing up, like I didn't belong. And how did I go from feeling excluded? So from longing and how did I go from there to belonging? And so I take my story and then I, I weave it in with my son's story of a situation. Now, this is a child who's well-supported, hopefully has a really rock star mom like me who's working hard day after day to give him the foundation he needs. And we talk about how he goes from longing to belonging and his story. And it showed you like sort of my way of dealing with it, which was unhealthy. And a lot of things I know you can relate with. Um, I was just numbing and I was coping and I was escaping and I was doing all those things kind of like you did as well. Um, and but then you see it from how he does it and from the healthy perspective. And I think I just did a it's my legacy talk. So I can talk to you about it for days, but I'm really proud to get up on a stage and, and to be able to share that journey with people. How, well, that's awesome, by the way. Uh, I got a couple of questions for you. How what, what's the significance of putting your story out in a platform like TEDx for you? Yeah. You know, it, the first one, it's interesting how that one came about, right? I had actually done a short little two-minute video and posted it on LinkedIn. And one of my connections reached out to me and was like, hey, you should definitely do a TEDx talk, you know? And I really thought about, it was on my list, you know? Like, I'm like, I'm going to do a TEDx talk someday. But this was like right when the pandemic started. I was trying to pay my bills, like doing a TEDx talk was the last thing on, on, my, on my list right now, right? So, but the idea of being able to share my story and for it to be able to help people, to impact people, to create a positive difference in the world, that's the reason why I did it, right? And that's the reason why I'm doing the second one, because I know that I'm not the only one that's ever felt these things. You know, we all have felt excluded at some point in our lives. We've all felt bias at some point in our lives. And it can shape us. It can shape the way we view the world. And so I just use my story as an example to give people hope and to say, look, you know, if I can do it, here's what worked for me. And here are some things that you can do to help you if you're in those situations. And how can I just, how can I, if I can help one person, you know, and it was really incredible when I did that first talk and the video came out and, and I mean, I got all kinds of messages from people, you know, saying like that my story resonated with them. You know, it was something that they'd experienced and they were afraid that somebody was talking about it because they didn't, you know, they didn't, weren't vulnerable or didn't have the, you know, the courage to be able to share their story. And now they did after hearing mine. So it's, it's just all about the impact for me. Yeah, it's great. And it's like super relatable. And, and, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to this or watching this to, you know, you heard say Jill and I talk about our, where you mentioned my experience growing up and 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 we should never compare ourselves by the way to anyone else's experience apart we should always compare ourselves to the person we were the day before right otherwise you just it's like, it's like there's always there's always someone who's gone through way worse stuff right i've got all my limbs i have no burns on my body like i got a i got a pretty damn lucky but, but compared to someone who you know it's all relative but i was having a walk with my darling wife this morning, Sajul, and I just something popped into my head, right? Because we we talk about the subject of trauma a lot. And one of the things that 
just popped into my head this morning. It was like, what if we're, what if my mission is actually not to alleviate people from trauma, right? Yes. Certain things we want to prevent like childhood sexual abuse, like that shit can just go right. It does just so much damage, but, but the stuff that I went through, right. What if, if I, what if I had the tools and the resources given to me as I was growing to know that what I had experienced could become and would become my superpower if only I chose it. Mm-hmm. Then, then the years dealing with the trauma, and I'm using inverted commas for people listening, like wouldn't be wasted. What are your thoughts on that? No, that's it. That's exactly it. And and that's that's really what it, it's all about. You know, it, it's knowing that there were if I had certain tools or if I had certain resources available to me. When I was going through those situations, I mean, hindsight's a beautiful thing, right? We can look back on it and now we have all this wisdom or we've, have, we've learned a lot of lessons that might have helped us. And that's what it is. That's all we're doing. We're sharing our story. Like you and I right now are getting to know each other, but we're sharing our story. And why are we doing this, right? It's because somebody might listen to it and it might resonate with their story or it might give them something to help them when they're dealing with trauma. Because like you said, that is life, you know, and and that's exactly what we were, you know, during the meditation that I did this morning. It's like, can, can you get back to that state within you of inner peace so that no matter what's going on in the world, you can still be like that observer and look at that situation from that place of peace, from that place of love, so that you can deal with the adversary, the traumas and everything that comes through it, right? And in my second TEDx talk, that's what I do. I, I use the word power. You know, I love I love my acronyms. I use the hat in the first one. And then the second one, I, I took the word power and I create an acronym out of that to help people with it. And it's just to say, here's here's what I think can help you when you're feeling excluded or when you're feeling that way. And here's here's how you can go there. Now, do I know if it's going to work for everybody? Of course not. But there's a lot of science behind it, a lot of neuroscience behind it to say that I didn't know all of that at the time when I was using these strategies, but now that I've learned them, I want everybody to know, right? Because all the years that I lost in my life, because I didn't have those tools available to me, you know? I want to ask you a personal question, Sergio. Uh, it's an observation. And I, and I noticed this because of my own experience growing up and my older brother who had um, a horrendous challenge around stuttering but i you have a very subtle lisp i don't know whether that's a technical term for it mm-hmm. it was that something that you dealt with when you were growing up when you were a young woman as well young girl Mm-mm. is there a story behind that and i don't want to prod the wrong thing um there's a reason why i'm asking you by the way yeah and you are actually the first person to tell me that well, it's, <laughs> most people wouldn't have the courage to ask, but, yeah. but when I was growing up, there was a young guy uh, at high school called Sam Sedgwick. It was a Croatian name or something. And I'm, I'm going to do an impression of him. I'm not doing this to take the piss. It was, it was like <laughs> Sam Sedgwick with how he spoke. That was he. And I was like, God, you cruel bastard. Like what? But, but as I've gotten older, like it made him super memorable. And I wonder, like, have you, is it something you're conscious of? Is it something that you tried to diminish? No, 
I've actually never had anybody tell me that. Now I'm going to go back and listen to this episode afterwards when you release it to see if I can hear it because no no one's ever mentioned that to me before. How cool. Well, do you remember, <laughs> do you remember um, I think it was Dirty Dancing, the movie. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the actress's name, but she was, she had a pronounced nose. Yeah. Right. I think she yeah. might've been Jewish, oh, oh, right? Wait, wasn't that um, Olivia Newton? No, that's dirty. That's, um, was that Grease? No. What movie did I, what movie did I just say? Dirty Dancing. <laughs> no, it was Dirty Dancing. Yeah. yeah but isn't that, yeah, yeah. isn't. Oh, no, 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 I'm, no. I'm pretty sure. I don't know oh. her name. She's not a, she's. But she had a she had a, um, a pronounced nose. Yep, I can see her. Uh, yeah, yeah. After the movie, she went and got surgery mm. and ended up getting the same looking nose as all the other Hollywood actresses. And I don't think booked any other gigs. Really? And, and and the reason that I wanted to bring it up was I wasn't sure whether it was part of your bullying journey because oh, yeah, for those yeah. who don't know, and I don't want to give this away because if you I, we're going to put the link to this the TEDx talk, the first one where you share and talk about this, right? So spoiler alert. But it involves bullying when you're growing up, right? Mm -hmm. And I was just wondering, oh man, like Indian, so there's ra there's there's racial uh, vilification, and then there's like teasing you for physical disabilities or whatever. It's just like, was there anything else that you were bullied for? It, it was it was mainly, you know, look, it was a typical like my parents had accents, so I was bullied because they had accents, and we we lived oh, literally my house was right across from our elementary school. So we were right across from the school and my house was attached to a convenience store. So all the kids from school, like during lunch break and on, would be coming into the store, they would see my folks who look very different. We were the only Indian family in the entire city at that time. There was no fitting in. Like there's nothing I can do to try to fit into that situation. And that's the part that I'm going to get more into in, in that story about like how my parents, like in our home, really tried to raise me as being culturally Indian. Right. And then I come out of the house and I'm like, okay, it's totally different. And so it was really, really hard, you know? Um, but so then it was that, you know, the whole um, wearing Indian clothes, you know, my parents, again, very culturally, traditionally Indian. So we had a lot of religious events we were going to. And, all, and by the way, I love wearing those Indian clothes. But then, of course, we would get make fun of it for wearing those. Right. And and so so it was a lot of that stuff. But, yeah, no one's ever said the list thing before. This is like really cool. I'm learning something new about myself. So you, what you, you weren't aware See, that you I had told it? you I was going to learn a lot from you today. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying you weren't aware of it? Is that nobody's ever in my entire life mentioned that to me before? That's so interesting. Yeah. Well, I'll yeah. take that as a massive compliment because, I, I mean, I just noticed these things. I'm the son of a retired radio announcer. My father was a brilliant, <clears throat> brilliant um, vocalist, broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this is, I'm, I'm, I'm drawn to the, like memorable parts of people's voice. Mm -hmm. and, I've, and I've studied under a guy, Vin Jang, who's a Vietnamese Australian guy, second, mm -hmm. first generation Vietnamese guy in Australia who has been touring the world up until a few years ago. He's like sharing the stage with people like Gary Vee and like mm. he's 40,000 a keynote. Like he's doing really great for a non-celebrity speaker. He's pivoted completely now. He lives back in Australia. He teaches the stage, which is using your voice as an instrument. And, and mm. I remember doing the course and there was people from Asia and India and uh, the subcontinent who were asking about 
does having an accent negatively impact? Mm -hmm. and, and the answer was absolutely not. It's what you want to be able to do, though, and you can maybe answer this better than I, um, is make sure that when you are communicating, you're communicating clearly. Mm -hmm. So I don't know, does this, any of this resonate with you and your story? Yeah, no. So, you know, I remember one of the first cases that I worked on as a lawyer, right? And the woman was a uh, female uh, a woman that was claiming that one of her um, co-workers, she was Indian, and she was claiming that one of her white male co-workers was sexually harassing her. That was her case. Now, if you know my story, which you do, you've seen my TEDx talk, right? And so you know that I was harassed, that I was bullied. So in that situation, that case that I was working on, I think most people hear that part of that story. You know, when I was, after I did that first TEDx talk, I was telling my story and I would tell people about why this is so important, talking about our biases and things like that, because until I had that case, most people would hear those facts and say, wow, say, Joe, you really were going to defend her and be on her, sort of have a natural preference and leaning in her direction because you have a similar story to what she's gone through. And I realized in that case that she had an Indian accent. And I didn't realize, but I have a negative bias against Indian accents. And why is that? Because I was bullied and harassed because of my parents' you know, accent. And I had no idea that I had this negative bias until that moment happened. Right. And so you learn that you're like, wow, I'm a good human being. Like I would never intentionally discriminate against somebody, but yet I had this negative bias. So if, if you, if going back to your original question, I think it's important to be talking about this and actually doing this work to understand your, whether it's accent, whether it's voice with the tone of somebody's voice, the way somebody's looks, you can be judging people based on all of these things. Right. And the good news is we can learn about it and we can do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know what I was thinking, say, George, the, the, the world that we're in, and this is being recorded in, in January, 2023, right? For someone who, who digs up this archive in <laughs> 10 years from now, and it seems like it's virtually impossible to say anything without offending people right now. What is, what is some of the science behind this, this unconscious bias? Yeah. Um, so I, I, there is so much that we have learned about our unconscious biases, right? And so a lot of people don't even understand that it's normal, right? So some people just hear the word bias itself, and there's a negative connotation associated with that word. So they stop listening. And they're like, I don't have that, right? But the, 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 the thing that we really want to get across to people is that if you have a brain, guess what? You have bias, <laughs> it's that simple. It's just the way that our brain works. So there's tons of research out there on the fact that there's all this information that's constantly coming at you, right? 11 million pieces of information coming at you every single second. And I talk about this in the first TEDx talk. And so you've got all this information coming at you. And so as a survival mechanism, your brain is taking all that information and it's creating all these shortcuts, right? It's putting them into all these different buckets to make it easy to understand, right? And then we're only consciously aware of about 50 of those. So here we are thinking that we're making these intentional decisions on who we interact with, who we're talking to, who we're communicating with, who we're socializing with. 
But the reality is, is that we're really driven by our unconscious beliefs and biases. We're on autopilot. And so we're doing all these things and people think that there's nothing I can do to change this. Like there's, I'm going to be a victim to all of these things and, and you don't have to be. We can retrain our minds so that you're making more conscious choices, right? Because the scary part of doing this work too is that you realize as you start learning about your unconscious biases, like the example I just shared with you about the Indian accent, is that you realize that a lot of these biases are actually the opposite of what you currently believe, right? But you don't know about it. And so now you're acting in a way that doesn't even match up with what you currently believe. And so using simple strategies, like the one I talk about in my first TEDx talk, the HAT acronym, you know, can help you mitigate the harm that could result if you don't know about it, right? And so again, there's simple tools that can help you learn what those biases are. And so that's a lot of what I talk about in my workshops that I offer to people about how do you identify it? What are some simple strategies? And so, and then there's some more in that TEDx talk as well. Yeah. And, and just so while you're on that subject, Sadie, where can people find you and your work? Yeah. So I am on LinkedIn. That's the main platform that I'm on. So follow me on there. You can look at my website. Um, the name of my company is Train Extra. So it's www.trainextra and there's no E in the extra.com. And so, yeah, happy. Those would be the two uh, best places to get a hold of me. And this, and the correct spelling of your name, S-E-J-A-L-T-H-A-K-K-A-R. Is it? If I'm That's not mistaken, right. right? That's right. I, I've got a tricky one for you, Sajul. What in my in my audio book, I recorded it in my voice. And uh, if you're an author or going to be an author for anyone listening, I would encourage you to do that if possible. Because uh, no one can tell your story better than you. But I do a an impression of John Lennon, um, a Scot a Scottish person. And maybe one or two other accents. In your opinion, when is it? What accents are appropriate to do, and what accents aren't in the world that we live in now? You know, I I think it just depends on the context. Honestly, I think the context, you know, the context within which the conversation is happening is relevant, right? And so, it's so the words, the words rather than the yeah. the accent, yeah. I, I think it depends, you know, and it depends on the audience. Who are you talking to? It depends on the situation. What is the purpose of this communication, right? There, what is the intention behind that communication? I mean, there's a lot of different factors I think you have to look at. It's not so black and white. Um, and, and, and this is a really great conversation. I think you and I can spend another hour just talking about that piece right there. But great question. I like it. <laughs> Well, it's funny. It's funny because, like, I I've got a bit of a talent for it. I've it's something that I've um, I've always enjoyed doing that kind of thing over the years. And for the most part, certainly in my latter years, um, I've done and said racist things in the past. I'll put my hand up and be honest. Right? I'm pretty good these days. I'm way more respectful of how I use the language, and, and I'm conscious of how I would respond if it was me. But I've had people do impressions of me and my accent, and I, it's hilarious. I, I've never met anyone that can do a, a close one to me. Um, but it's kind of like a friend of mine recently sent me a video of there was an interview with an Indian guy and an American guy, and he was doing 
he was overdubbed the Indian guy's voice and the American who was a white guy. Um, and it did this funny thing. There was nothing at all to do with the a cultural thing. It was simply, um, it was like the context of it. And, and I think he sent it to the, to, to the American guy mm-hmm. uh, who was, was offended until there was some explanation. So is there a, an oversensitivity that we've developed in the current world that we live in? And do we need to just relax a little bit? You know, I don't, I don't know if it's a matter of oversensitivity, honestly. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm sensitive to that word in and of itself, because I think a lot, of, a lot of people would say, oh, people are just being sensitive about everything. And I'm like, okay, we need to go deeper, right? Because, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, but I get what you're saying. And I, I, I think what we have to then be careful about is right, we don't want to be mocking someone's lived experience. So now if you have an Indian person, let's say, for example, that's been harassed and bullied because of their accent, and this is something that leaves scars on people, by the way, it's nothing to take lightly, you know? Um, And so then you have to ask yourself the value of the communication in the harm that it can do to those folks that have actually gone through it and you're speaking to one and can tell you that those scars never go away or fully heal. Like that's something, that's why I talk about it because it's, it's healing to just even talk about it. But so, so then you have to ask yourself, you have to weigh it out, right? And say, okay, I'm doing this maybe to just be funny. You know, maybe there's a humor intent behind it uh, to be, uh, you know, just entertaining, edutainment, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, so the intention isn't necessarily bad. But that doesn't mean the harm couldn't still be, you know, you want to be careful about that. Now, there could be some people that can say, well, you know, it, it, it's if you don't like it, don't listen to it. Turn it off. Delete it. Right. Stop following that person. But the point is, is that if we truly want to make progress, like we have to eliminate the harmful behaviors. If we allow harmful behaviors to continue, then the harm continues. And so I, I would be on the side of not saying it's overly sensitive. I would say that if we want to move to a more respectful world, a more civil world, then let's start being more careful about what we're putting out there. Because yeah. if you put it out there, you can expect it. And yeah, you know, yeah. not everybody is okay with it either. Not everybody wants that, right? So I don't know. Again, a really great question. And I like that you're throwing me all these cool questions. <laughs> well, it's funny. Uh, I've seen a number of shorter videos through probably on Twitter, I think more than anywhere else where, um, and because obviously cameras and smartphones are literally, you know, everyone on the planet just about has one now. There's so much more content coming out and you see these, these um, altercations where someone becomes all high and mighty and then they, they antagonize the wrong person and that person beats the crap out of them or punches them and knocks them out. Now I'm not an advocate for violence, but if it looks like that Louis C.K.'s bit. He's like, of course, but maybe, maybe, maybe the solution to a rapid cultural shift and people not being able to get away with the stuff is people standing up for themselves and physically making their presence known. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, look, I, I think people should be able to express themselves. So I hope that, you know, nothing that I've said so far is taking away from our rights to be able to express ourselves, right, and our perspectives and our opinions. I I think think people should be able to do that with limitations, 
right? And so again, what are those limitations? And that's the question you keep coming back to because like this whole like cancel culture thing, right? It's like somebody says, you dig something up that somebody did years ago and then you, you now you're going to bring it up now and say you're a horrible human being because you made this one racist comment when you were drunk at a bar and out of your mind, you know, you didn't really know what you were talking about. But now let's cancel you. Now you can't be on Levon's, you know, podcast. You can't, you can't do anything. And it's like, that's a little extreme, right? Like we don't want to ruin people's <laughs> lives over some mistake that they made years ago. Um, but at the same time, do people need to be accountable? for their behavior, absolutely. And so if there's legal ramifications, then yes, then somebody can file a lawsuit and you know get uh, whatever they need to do from that, right? So I think there are, there needs to be checks and balances though. And I do think that I'm seeing more of, and I'll say this and I've posted about it, so it's nothing new, that like we need to stop this whole cancel culture approach. It doesn't work. It causes more harm than anything. Um, the better approach is to have conversations like this with people and to really kind of let people really share their opinions in a, in, in, a, in a space that makes sense, right? And and then everybody can kind of start to feel that safety to have more of these conversations. And that's why this content, like you're right, it's like content overload. How many podcasts can I listen to? I'm like, I need a whole day to just sit down and keep up with amazing content that that some of the people are putting out there. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty intense. And it's funny, you know, I, I'm I'm born in New Zealand. I've got an Australian father and a New Zealand mother. So I'm half and half. My wife's Russian and quarter Japanese. And when we have kids, which we're working on, that kid is going to like, <laughs> like you couldn't offend that kid because it's like basically part of the whole world, right? And maybe in a hundred years with with the modern travel and, you know, crossbreeding of cultures and stuff like this would probably be a non-issue maybe um everyone will look they'll all have a dark tan maybe we'll all look the same <laughs> I, I don't know. know what do you reckon i think mixed kids look so beautiful i mean i look at the pictures and i, I mean i've i love i love i'm a beauty i love beauty of all diversity so for me just when we start mixing my son is mixed my ex-husband is part Scottish, part French Canadian. He's got a bunch, a little bit of everything in there. And my son is just absolutely gorgeous. And so I, I just think when people start to come together, beautiful things happen, just like our children and just our perspectives open up and so forth. So yeah. for you, well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you too. Don't you worry, Sadie. You'll, you'll, you'll hear about when this baby is born. This, is, nice. this has been a work in progress. 16 consecutive miscarriages for those that are curious. Oh, my God. Um, what? And, um, yeah, yeah. So wow. that, that's the, from the result of some childhood sexual abuse. Um, which, and the reason I share this so freely is my wife, uh, Anna, who has her own podcast called the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast. And she's a hypnotherapist wow. and works, works with women. And, um, and some men actually, uh, around this, the subject, this taboo subject, but like the more we share it, the more, um, mm -hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? The stigma comes yes, off it. That's right. So perfectly healthy. There was some damage mm -hmm. to the uterine wall and, uh, we're actually heading to planning to head to, um, near the Mongolian border in Russia later this year to do a supervised what will be a, like a 10 to 14 day dry fast, which is no food or water wow. for 10 to 14 days. And apparently does wonderful things in terms of healing the body. So we'll keep okay. you posted. All right. I'm going to keep you both in my prayers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Yeah.
Yes. So what else is on your heart today, Sajul? You know what? I am, I am just, I, I started my day off with that meditation today and my word of the year, this year of 2023 is love. And I am really just tapping into giving myself more love, giving, giving and receiving love, you know, and I'm looking, I'm learning how to breathe through my heart and lead with love. And so that's my word of the year. I'm just going to keep working on that. And every decision I make is about, you know, how can I, how can I, and, and it's self-love too, which is honestly something that I've been on this journey for since my son was born. I'd say my self-journey started, um, but really the last three years of my life where it's been just, you know, and I'm just more, the more I, I realize the power of, of doing that for myself and just the kind of person that I want to be every day. And I love what you said earlier about the only thing you need to be focused on is you 24 hours ago and where we are right now. Right. And I'm all about that. And I totally, I, I that really resonates with me. So I'm glad you brought that up. No, you're so welcome. Uh, I'm going to ask another controversial question <laughs> <laughs> just because you've let me get away with at least one. Now we, we met, we met a while ago and we, we had a great, we've had a great couple of conversations and at that time you were footloose and fancy free. Is there a special person that's, that's come into your life since we last spoke? No, I'm still, I am still out there. I, okay. but, but, but as I said, my, I opened my heart back up since we last spoke. So this is I what had I'm a picking birthday. Up on. Yes. I had my birthday in November. Don't ask me how old I am. I won't, I won't do that. that. <laughs> <laughs> Although I, I don't mind it. Um, but um, I had my birthday and I made the decision that I'm going to open my heart back up again. And so 2023 is the year of me manifesting somebody special that's going to come into my life so not yet i'm working on it We're okay on it. My, well my what my question was going to be can i play matchmaker for a little bit all right so <laughs> so and the reason the reason this is significant my my wife anna uh is the master at helping she works with with mainly women um to attract their ideal man because she manifested me right she was looking mm -hmm. for a bald New Zealander, this is when we were living in Australia, who didn't okay. drink, smoke, do drugs, gamble, was a, you know, health, mm. fitness, like that might not sound that weird to most people, but if you go to Australia and try and find a sober New Zealander, yeah. like, yes. <laughs> so, so just quickly, we don't focus on this too much. Mm -hmm. If you were to, to put it out to the universe, which you yeah. might've already done, what is the, the parameters of the, the caliber man that you're looking for. Mm, oh my God. I've been thinking about this because again, to manifest it, I need to be very specific about what it is that I'm looking for. And I'm still figuring it out. I don't know. I don't know exactly, but I've learned a lot. Um, you know, something that I've, I, I have realized in kind of looking back on my life and, and why the relationships that I've been in didn't work. Um, is it that, that I, I realize that I need somebody who has even more of a growth mindset than I do. Bingo. And I, I am, I am really driven um, at the same driven, meaning like I'm when I commit to something, I'm all in. Right. And so I need someone that's probably more on that scale than I am so that I can be excited by them. I could be learning from them. You know, I could be growing with them and hopefully they're growing in different ways for different things so that I can kind of, learn from this person um because i want to be challenged you know and i'm always going to want that from a, a significant other so they definitely have to be you know intelligent and emotionally intelligent right um and also i think just for me it's going to have to be someone that's lived life 
who's experienced it, not just kind of stood by and, and kind of just gotten through it. I, I kind of am drawn to people that have, you know, seen some shit and gotten through it because um, I've gone through it. And there's a lot of layers to me because of it. And if that person doesn't have the ability to see, you know, those layers in me, and it just seems to me that if they've gone through it and they've experienced and grown through their own layers, that they'll probably recognize them in me and we can connect on a much deeper level because of that, because I, you know, so yeah, so there's a lot of things, obviously, um, very, <laughs> very handsome, right? like super, super hot would be great. <laughs> So, so this, and I appreciate you sharing this. And this, and the reason I was, I'm curious to hear your thoughts is I think anyone, like if you're a man and you're listening to this and you're, and you're looking for that special person, you might've been on the receiving end of a divorce and, you know, um, and what you said was what I was going to talk about. Like I, the reason I, I don't even know much of your personal life at all, but I would imagine the reason why a lot of these relationships, um, haven't worked is because your rate of growth from a spiritual um, emotional point of view, like it's really important. And Anna and I have spoken about this. Like we want to make a commitment that we will continue to grow at a, we don't have to grow at the same level, but like it's not linear, but we have to grow at a similar rate because the last thing you want to do is be disconnected from an energetic level. So that's just that's just an observation. Might be sounding a bit woo-woo for some people, but if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably you're probably more than open to that kind of stuff as well. So, next important question: If you are going to get married again, would you like to have a traditional Indian wedding as part of the ceremony? Mm. You know, I don't. There, there's no. I don't even know about. It's that's such a weird kind of expectation to have in the first place. Um, you know, I, at this point in my life, I, I, I would say that I would be, I'd be much happier just eloping and doing our own special ceremony somewhere, just the two of us with nobody <laughs> else there. <laughs> and it's, it just, it's, you know, it's not about a cultural thing or a religious thing. I want it to be a spiritual deep connection. Um, I don't know what that looks like, uh, but you know, it, it's, it's, that's never really been an important part. Now, that being said, with my ex um, that when I was married, we kind of, we blended the two together. So we, I, I wanted to be in an Indian outfit and I, I love the whole cultural piece. We had like a sitar player and we did some really cool elements of mixing and blending the two to kind of do this amazing fusion. So it'd be kind of cool to do something fun like that with just the two of us there is kind of make it special for the two of us. And it'd be fun to blend our cultures. If, if he wasn't into that, I'd be down for that, that too, so. Well, or you could get married at the the uh, little chapel of the West in Las Vegas, like Anna and I did in April <laughs> last year. That might be fun too. <laughs> well, we weren't deliberately eloping, but uh, most of our family were like half of hers are in Russia, mm-hmm. <laughs> which can't travel anywhere at the moment, and the rest of mine were in New Zealand and Australia. So it was just too too big an ask for people. And I loved the simplicity. We had a wonderful, wonderful day, and we just did what made us happy. Um, yeah. And then the reference around the traditional Indian wedding is I've, I went to one in India and they're the most fun things ever. Yeah. And um, it would be if you wanted to do it, not for your parents or anyone else. You know what I mean? That's right. Absolutely. It's got to be about what the two of you want. I've always felt that way, you know, but um, I, I feel like, uh, especially for Indian women, you know, our parents, our families are so involved in, in, in it and they want to spend all this money on it that it really takes away from what you truly want. Like, I remember <laughs> yeah. I was like, 
I don't want half the things that were going on on that day. Like I would have been fine without them, but we do it because, you know, you're supposed to next time around. It won't be that. That won't be the case because I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'll be doing it for myself. So, yay. I'm excited about it. Let's just make that. <laughs> I want to make that a priority for. So 2023 is the year of, and, and I, I don't know if I want to get married again or not. Like I haven't really thought that far out yet. I, I just want to find somebody that like we just can, you know, vibe with and, and have a, a, you know, a faithful relationship with just one person, right? And just kind of my partner in crime. So if marriage is in the books, it's fine. I'm open to it, but it's not a priority and I haven't really thought about it. But I love what you said. It's just about, is it important? I gotta, I, give, I gotta give that some thought. Like, is it important for me to have somebody of a certain type of cultural background or not? My answer is just gut reaction will be no, not really, because I love meeting people from different cultures. Um, but now that I have a son, you know, is that something that's important to me? Do I want somebody that's, you know, shares some cultural, I haven't thought about that. So you're giving me something to think about. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, I, the thing I would encourage anyone to think about is to, and I'll give you some context. So I, like Anna was the first woman that I ever married, but I was never engaged prior to that. I had a number of relationships that lasted a maximum of about a year. And I had a, I had a gamma phobia which is a fear of marriage for those that are curious, right? Gamma phobia, I think it's G-A-M-A phobia. Uh -huh. And it's a, it's a legit fear of marriage because everyone in my family had been married and divorced at least twice, right? My mum has, has had five surnames, for goodness sake, right? Wow. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Then when I met, when I met Anna, which I only did after I did all the work, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a dude, because I'm not going to comment on behalf of the women here, if you're a dude and you've been on the receiving end of at least one divorce, right, and you haven't done the work to figure yes. out what went wrong, do that first, right? And it yes. won't take that long. It won't take that long. Do the work, and then, then you'll be able to attract your dream person, which is Anna, and I couldn't wait to marry that woman. We would have done it. We've been together four and a half years. We would have done it, you know, a year into it if we had an opportunity, we just, we're in lockdown. Right. So, yeah. um, so there's, there's just my two cents. And if you're a so dude, true. no more Mr. Nice guy by Dr. Robert Glover is a powerful, powerful book, which women can read as well, especially mm -hmm. the partners. And it's about not being a weak man. All right. Mm -hmm. We need strong masculine role models. All right. Yes, yes, and yes. Uh, can I get an amen? Yes. Can you say it louder for the people in the back? <laughs> <laughs> can I get an amen? <laughs> and it applies for women too. So I could, it applies. You got to do the work. I have been doing the work and I'm surrounded by people who are doing the work, you know, and I agree with you. We, we do. And I think more women and me, myself included, need to do the work to tap into that feminine energy. And I really started doing that work, honestly, last year, uh, beginning of last year, where I was like, I've been the driver my whole freaking life. I have, I have, I have moved mountains on my own. It's just who. It's not who I want to be, right? That's that's not the role I want to have. Like I want to just tap back into my feminine energy, figure this out because that's important to me. That's really where I need to get to get the, to to have the kind of relationship that I want. I know I need to tap more into my feminine energy. That's that's where the sparks are going to fly, right? So I've been doing that work. And I've learned so much about myself. And I see so many women that are just driven. They're rock stars, you know, killing it. 
but you can also see that it, it and they're single, you know, and, and, and they're talking about why they can't. And I'm like, start tapping back into your feminine energy. That's when you're going to attract the kind of guy that you want, that you say that you want. Um, but it's, it's, it's hard, you know, because you've got to make time for it. And with everything that are, that's on, like I'm a single mom, right? So with everything that's on my plate and then to, to put that on, on the plate as well to say, I got to make time for this. It's like, you have to become the master juggler. Like you just have to learn how to do it and you, and you, and you can, and then it's, it's crazy how it's just, you figure it out. You know, yeah. if you, if you start doing it, you start challenging yourself. Like, like I, the picture I posted right before we jumped on this podcast, like I knew in order for me to bring the level of energy that I want to bring to this conversation, I need to think about the conversation. I need to just tap into myself and, and reconnect. And that's what I was doing. And then that didn't take long. It took like five minutes. Right. But it, it does a lot for me to show up into this space the way that I want to. Right. So, yeah. Um I'm so work. glad. I'm so grateful that you are. This is a subject that you're that you're super passionate about. And, and like, maybe you do post some of these that I don't see on your feed. But like, I would love for you to share some of these these encouraging women to step into their femininity because this is really you know, and it makes me sick thinking about how I used to be. I talk about this a lot recently. I try. I wanted to find a woman who was earning and had lots of money to bail me out of my debt. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? no, and yeah. I can hear people collectively vomiting and in, in disgust. But that was the thinking, right? I grew up in a in a um a child of divorce. My father, who I, you know, I love and forgive, grew up as he's a very weak man. Mm-hmm. Right? He attracted a very domineering woman in my mother. And the 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 gender roles they just can't exist in that environment. Yeah. And and what I was going to say with regards to finding the time, Sajul, what you must understand, if you're a woman or a dude, when you yeah. find someone who lifts you up, you will achieve what you're hoping to achieve That's 10x. Right. Yes. I, like yes. I have pulled off miracle after miracle. Mm-hmm. And I and I, you know, I'm affectionately known as the world's best courage coach, but my wife mm-hmm. is the most courageous person I know. Mm-hmm. And she says yes to everything. You know, All right. you got to introduce me to her, man, because that's I want to talk to this woman. She sounds fantastic. Oh, she, well, she is. She is. She's kicking ass, right? But she's still, she's got a mastermind. She's a coach. She's got her own podcast. She's writing her first book. Like she's still doing all the things that, 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 that these, these uh, strong women want to do. Mm-hmm. But she's got a, she's got a man who, who, uh, and I, and I want to see her succeed in anything mm. that's important to her. And she allows me to step into my masculinity and to lead in that part. And she empowers me with that. And then, you know, it's just this beautiful symbiotic relationship. So I'm very blessed, but I worked hard for it. Yeah. You've got to work hard. Not, you know, nothing that's worth having that's good comes easy. We both know that very, I mean, and that's the thing. And, and that's it. And, and nothing, nothing against people that don't want to do the work because there are some people that just don't and that's okay. And nothing negative about that. But I just know for me, like that's, I want to surround myself with people that have done the work that want to do the work because that motivates me. Um, And, and, and you're right. When you start surrounding yourself with the right people, you know, and like you and your wife, I mean, it's beautiful that you can balance each other out that way, but it gets a lot easier. Right. I mean, because life is going to throw some major curveballs your way and you need someone that can help you get navigate. I mean, as, as strong as I am and like, 
freaking resilience is my middle name. Okay, seriously. <laughs> but even I need help, you know? And like this past year is the perfect example. I've had people in my community like step up for me and help me in ways that I never ever could have imagined. Um, and and it, it was just so beautiful um, to have that support. And and that's exactly why I had to, open, I wanted to open my heart back up again, because I want that with somebody, you know, and that's, I've always wanted that, you know, it's just, I haven't found the person who was where we were at the same vibe level yet, you know, and I haven't done my work yet. So honestly, and, and so I'm still doing my work, you know, and that's, this is going to be an ongoing work in progress right here, you know, but I've done enough of it to to be at a place to say that I can consciously now I'm open versus before I, it was just like, yeah, this is just kind of what I need to do. You know, this is what's expected of me. And now I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I can take my time and do this. I'm not in a rush, but um, so you're the first podcast that I'm talking to about my, like, you know, my, my, I don't know, whatever my <laughs> love <business>. life. <laughs> well, love is the word of this year. So this kind of makes sense, but this is gonna this is gonna help a, a lot of people. So, Jewel, I tell you right now that there's some you've got me thinking about my own things as well. Um, there's a there's a, a saying I'm paraphrasing from Steve Hardison, known as the Ultimate Coach, and and he would ask us. He would say, "What kind of person do I need to be in order to attract the person that I want?" And uh, that's that's inadvertently what I did through my own journey you know i gave up drink and the drugs and then i fixed my health stuff and i lost 60 pounds and i turned into a beast and then i was able to attract this genuine 10 inside and out in the streets of melbourne and i walked up to her sage and i said excuse me but you are stunning and i wondered if you'd ever drink with me one time right <laughs> like and he was someone who used to be a prolific online data went on 150 first dates on Bumble and Tinder over the course of two years. A hundred? Dang. 150. That was, wow. and that was excluding second dates and third dates, right? So I was going on about <laughs> three dates a week. So I, I ended up getting a, a bachelor's in, in internet dating. And it, for me, it was just like, I just knew deep down that that wasn't where I was going to find my person. And then the moment that I became clear on my list of exactly what I wanted, and, I, and she ticked all those boxes, I found her about two weeks later. Oh, yay. <laughs> it's extraordinary. That's incredible. Wow. You need to be, I think you need to, we need to nominate you to be in like the Guinness World Book of Records for the most amount of <laughs> Bumble or Tinder oh. dates. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. I, I like had a couple of gay mates back in, back in Australia. We're in Mexico now. And uh, some of them, it's in the thousands. <laughs> really? Like, like they leave everything I do for dust. It's a different vibe. Totally yeah. different vibe, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, not something that I would recommend, but it was a really fascinating psychology experiment inadvertently. Wow. I would love to just like do like get together with you and your wife and just talk about these stories <laughs> because oh. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure that you can share stories that I can learn from. So I don't make those same mistakes. So I, I just got back on a dating app, um, Thanksgiving week it was the first, I finally got, I grew a pair of balls and got back on there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I have to put myself out there. How's this going to happen if I don't put myself out there? So I just got back on there and then I've been sick. And so I haven't really made, uh, made much of it, but, oh, wow. This is like a whole different world. I'm just like, can I just like walk into a bar and meet some really cool dude and be done with this already? <laughs> but you know what? I'm, you got, like you said, you got to put in the work. I'm putting in the effort. I'm like, 
and I think of it as an experiment. I'm actually going into these dates. Like I, I think I've gone on since Thanksgiving, maybe like five dates already. I've gone on five dates and I'm just going into it. Like, okay, I'm just going to show up and be a hundred percent present and then let it flow and whatever happens. And, you know, I, I don't have like really high expectations going into the date. Um, and so it's, it's kind of fun. What's I'm, been I'm learning your, some cool things. What's been your experience on five, five separate dates? They've been cool. Like, you know, a couple of the people I'm still kind of talking to, you know, just, we're just kind of getting to know each other a little bit. One guy, one guy lied to me and I'm like a lawyer. So I'm like, I'm going to pick up on your shit right now. So, so I called him out on it right away. There was no date. There was no second date after that. Cause I'm like, if you're going to lie and I'm going to catch you like right away, uh, I don't have time for that. So you definitely having my legal background is going to help me <laughs> filter out the, the garbage early on which will be good um but it's it's just fun i'm not you know here's what i would tell people listening to this right it's not easy to put yourself back out there it's hard work right um i have a i have very little time to dedicate to this cause but i got to put myself out there and to put yourself out there if you want to find somebody it's not going to just come without putting the effort into it right so like i have i have a girlfriend that you know i love and she's drop dead gorgeous right and she wants to meet somebody and she she's and, I, and when i talked to her last time i said just have fun just go out and have a good time if you're not having a good time it's not gonna be the right person right just just go into it to have a good time and that and then let it build on there and then be open to it and so she just laughs at me she's like you're making it sound so simple and i'm like it, don't make it sound so complicated. Just go and have a good time. You know, at least that's my approach. But you got to put yourself but, out there, and you got to have fun. Well, and I agree to a certain extent. I, I would say, not having known your friend at all, if like one of the biggest challenges I had early on until I did the work right was yep. was not bringing my negative experiences from previous relationships into the next meeting. Mm. So until you do the work on that that sure. like then you'll continue to be reminded and triggered and whatever and like it's just a shitstorm. Right. and and uh what if you if you wanted my uh, advice right if you like give, what's your advice on what do you think i should do from a dating point of view i would i would recommend getting off them i'd recommend deleting them because you're taking off the training wheels yeah. and you're forcing yourself to create an environment and this is where anna's brilliant right at being able to energetically attract mm. your ideal person because you said something that's really interesting. You said, I didn't have very high expectations. Well, girl, I reckon if you're going to find that that person who's going to be up to that level that you're looking for, you need to have really high expectations. Yeah. And yeah, Anna yeah. was Anna was crystal clear on what she wanted. She like she she was married previously, right? Mm -hmm. She didn't want to repeat those same mistakes. She's done the work. And then, then she manifests this, this guy who's like an enigma, like in terms of the the different things, right? And it might be yeah, perfect, yeah, yeah. no way. But um, we, I would say, objectively, that Anna and I have a way better relationship than most couples that I've heard about and know, on the for the most yeah. part. Well, it seems like you both have done the work, right? And that's the that's the bottom line is for yourselves. And and when I say the high expectation piece, it's Absolutely. I agree with everything you said. You know, you have to be clear about what you want and, and know that and put that onto the universe that I'm doing. I meant just going into that date. And, you know, if you could just feel it 
when somebody's coming in to a, like an initial first date with everything just running through their head and they're thinking about, does this person check off these things on this list? They're not even present. And that's what I mean is to just come into that. If you're going to go to the point where you're actually going to meet somebody, right? At this point, then come into that specific experience with just no expectations of how that's going to go down. Is he going to do this? Is he going to do that? Because then you're just setting it up for failure. But just go in and just enjoy the experience. And you'll know. I mean, look, we've all been around that block. Like this is nothing new, right? At this point in my life, I've been there and I've, I've, I've been in that scene. I've gone through it. I have seen a relationship from when it was the best to where it was the worst. So we've gone there and we've done that. And so we have all those lessons that we know. But yes, you have to both have done the work on yourselves. And that's the, that's the key. If you haven't, it's not going to work, right? So one of the people that I met, actually, great guy, you know, but he's just recently divorced, right? And so he, I could just see that he still has to do that work. Otherwise, it's going to impact our relationship. So I didn't say I didn't want to see him again. I just said, I think you should just take some time to do the work that you probably need to do, right? And we can continue to be friends and see each other, but that's just what I picked up on right away, yeah. right? And I was like, okay, I, I, I get it, you know? So. <laughs> pro tip, pro tip for any of the ladies listening out there. Anytime you say you want to be friends with a dude, it's over, all right? <laughs> it's over. And it should be over. You can't, it's, it's impossible to have it's monogamous over. friendships with single men and single women. It's just, uh, trust me on this, right? Um, what's, uh, I need to wrap this up soon because the sun is setting where I am and it's going to be dark soon. And I rely on sunlight to, to film this. Me stuff. too. I right. So, so um, where can I, you, we mentioned this before, but where just repeat where people can find you. Sajun? Yeah. Yes. So I'm on LinkedIn. So look me up on LinkedIn. Um, I, I share a lot of good information on the topics that we talked about here today. And then my website, trainextra.com. Perfect. That will be in the show notes below. Sajul, do you have any concluding thoughts for our amazing audience today? God, we covered so many different points. Um, all I will, I'll, I'll end with what um, I just posted about today um, with, and leave that for people. Um, I think it's important that we take care of ourselves and so that we can take better care of each other, right? And so Take that time to pause, to reflect, to go deep inside yourself, to figure out what's working, what's not working, and just continue to do the work to become better. Um, I, I, I've, I've seen so much in the last couple of years of doing my own work and getting to this place and meeting people like you and Meredith Bell and all these other cool people that we're connected to. And everyone's doing their work. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter where you're at or what you've gone through or Sometimes it's hard, you know, um, but if you keep doing that and try to just be better and better, even if it's a little bit small steps, you know, it'll, it'll go a long way and it'll just get easier. You know, this, this last year was really a tough year for me. And honestly, if I didn't do things like pause and reflect and breathe and meditate, I probably wouldn't be standing here right now. I wouldn't, I can be honest about that. So to make that time for yourself, if you don't make the time for yourself, you can't make the time for anybody else in the way that you want to. Beautiful inside and out. Ladies and gentlemen, Sejul Thacker. I got superpowers, superpowers. Working seven days a week and 24 hours. Yup, 
I got the business saying this boy sure is up to something. Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button. They say I'm crazy when I say I got them super.